the work that you're doing in our midst, and we're thankful, God, for the mighty ways that you've moved over this body. Jesus, we pray right now that you would continue to minister, Lord. We pray that you would continue, God, to give direction and guidance. Jesus, we pray that, God, you would open up blinded eyes today, God, that you would heal wounded hearts today. Jesus, we pray that you would give direction, Lord God. Jesus, that you would accomplish your will, whatever it is, God, that you desire to do in us. Jesus, we pray right now, God, your will be done. Jesus, we pray your will be done tonight. Lord, in your name, Lord, in your name, as it is in heaven, God, we pray, let it so be on earth tonight. Jesus, we're longing for your kingdom. We're longing for your will, Father. We humble ourselves before you tonight, God. God, we say yes to you and to your plan. We say yes to you, God, and to the mighty ways you want to work through us. Jesus, in your name. Jesus, in your name. Why don't we just take a moment and humble ourselves before the Lord? pour ourselves out, empty ourselves of our own thoughts, our own plans. Jesus, God, I want to be humble before you. I want to be open and honest before you, Jesus. God, I abase myself right now. Jesus, I know that there is a way, God, and a plan that I have for myself, Lord, but that's second to you. Jesus, your ways are higher than ours. Your thoughts are higher than ours, God. There's nothing we could do, Lord God, that can compare with your greatness. Jesus, in your name, we lay our lives down tonight. We lay our lives down tonight, Lord Jesus. Jesus, in your name, we need you tonight, God. We need you tonight, oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, have your way, O God. Have your way, O God. We are your people. Jesus, we are your people. God, I pray that you administer strength tonight over this body. I pray that you administer wholeness tonight and healing, Lord God. Jesus, all that we need, every weakness, God, every infirmity that we have, You're the answer for it, Jesus. You're the way, Lord God. Jesus, in your name. Lord Jesus, in your name. God, I pray, have your way tonight. In the name of Jesus, you can be seated. I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 9. I woke up with this verse in my spirit this morning, and uh, I don't know about you, but I like it when the Lord gives me things that seem random or feel random. Um, I know that it's not the way that my mind works to just bounce from one random subject or one random topic to another, and I know that it's not uh, the will of the enemy for me to be edified by the Word of God, 
So when I feel the word of God impressed on my spirit, I'm thankful for that because I take that as the Lord trying to talk to me. And I'm thankful for that. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. I, I don't know if, if we'll be as thankful when you hear what it is that he put on my heart. I'm still trying to um, process and make sure that I understand the reason why he would put this particular passage in my spirit. But nevertheless, I know that it's from him. I was just going about my daily routine in the morning, getting ready for another day, as we often do, as we do throughout our week, not knowing what the day has in store, not knowing who might the Lord put in our path. But so he put this scripture on my, on my heart, and particularly the, the last part, the phrase that says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And uh, so, okay, Lord, I, I know I've heard that before. I know I can picture in the visual of my mind what does it look like to put your hand to the plow and why might somebody do that. But I want to give kind of the context for why Jesus said this. And it's interesting to me. We're going to jump up to verse 57. This is not a parable. Okay, let me make that clear. These, these verses that we're going to read. This is not a parable as Jesus did often speak in parables. These are words, direct words from Jesus to individuals that approached him. Okay. So verse 57, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Okay, so they were, this is Jesus and his disciples heading somewhere. Everybody say somewhere. They were on their way. And the guy sees Jesus' caravan himself and his disciples heading somewhere and the guy says hey wherever you're going I'll go I'll follow you which well, I don't know where you're headed but wherever it is I'll go with you and Jesus turns in and this answer is very uh, astounding verse 58 Jesus said unto him foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So really, I, what, I, what I gather from Jesus' response to this man who says, wherever you're going, I'll go with you, I'll follow you. His response is, I'm not going home. I'm not going to uh, a place of comfort. I'm not going to a place of rest. Now, if you, if you just read that verse and heard it out of context, it almost sounds like Jesus is complaining, right? It sounds like he's complaining about, well, even a fox has got a foxhole. 
Even a bird has a nest that it can fly to and, and make its place of, of resting. And oh, poor old me, son of man, I don't have a place to lay my head. Okay, well, I know that Jesus did find places to lay down and sleep. Throughout the, 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 the Gospels, in his stories, we can read of times where he was sleeping or where he was resting. So he's not saying, oh, poor me, I don't ever get to take a nap. Poor me, I don't ever get to rest. That's not what he's saying. He's telling this guy who, who's signing up to follow what he's really signing up for. You think you want to follow me. You think wherever I'm headed, you're going to be good to go too. But let me make sure you're aware what you're leaving. What you're leaving behind when you say you will follow me. What you're leaving behind is the place where you have to lay your head. The pl- now, we're, I'm not just talking about a physical house, okay, and when you, get, when you get to make yourself a disciple of Jesus, you never go, get to go back home. That's, that's not the literal sense of what we're saying here. What he's telling this guy is, there's a mindset of myself and my disciples, those who really are following me. Our mindset is, we're not going to go out here and, and witness for eight hours and call it a day. We're not going to go out here and and pray for some people, try to find some needs and meet those needs and and then call it a day and go back home. That's not our mindset. In fact, you're saying you see that I'm in the process of moving from from point A to point B. You don't know where point B is. But you're, you're saying... You're willing to follow wherever point B is. I'm letting you know right now, if you're signing up for this, you can forget about point A. You can forget about going back to your place of rest. This is me. This is who my, this is, this is how I operate. This is my mindset. Okay. Now, this is a challenging word to me. I don't know about to you, but this is a challenging word to me. Because when the Lord tells me this, he's saying, if you're really going to follow me, you're going to forsake your resting place. Now, again, I'm not talking about my bed. Thank the Lord for my bed. There was one day a few years ago, I just, I laid down after a normal day, and I was overcome with thankfulness for my bed. (laughs) And it sounded silly even to say it out loud, but I said it. Thank you, Jesus, for this bed. I needed it. It was, it was where I needed it to be at the time I needed it to be. So I was thankful for that. And, I, and he, the Bible says he gives his beloved rest. Okay? So don't confuse the two and think, well, if I'm going to really follow God, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to work eight days a week, 25 hours a day. And, and, and I'm just never going to get a day off. That's not, that's not the way that it works. That's not what we're talking about. He's addressing the mindset of the disciples, the mindset of the followers to say, 
this is what it truly means to follow me. You're not, you're not going to be like a fox with the foxhole. You're not going to be like the bird with the nest. Verse 59, and he said unto another, follow me. Okay, they're still on their passageway from one place to another, heading somewhere. And he addressed that first guy, and that's what he told him. And then it says, he said to another, follow me. (laughs) Now, I don't know if this guy was in earshot of what he just said to the other guy or not. But somewhere in that same traveling He goes up to the next guy and he says, follow me. The first guy took it upon himself to say, I will follow you. The second guy, Jesus takes it upon himself to say, hey, you, mister, you follow me. What did the guy say? But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury My father. Now, again, we have to do a little bit of um, inference. What was that guy doing at the time that Jesus said, follow me? I mean, was was he carrying the dead body with him in transit? (laughs) was he pushing this wheelbarrow? I'm on my way to bury my father. And and Jesus, oh, hey, hold your horses. Follow me. Oh, but wait, wait, wait. I'm in the middle of this task. What I'm inclined to believe is that he came up with the reason why he couldn't immediately follow. Why he couldn't drop what he was doing, and follow. Especially if he heard what Jesus said to the other guy, we're leaving point A behind not to come back to it. Wait, wait, wait. I got some stuff at point A that's not finished yet. Not, not, not buttoned up yet. Not ready to go. Let me go finish my, my task. What it is that I need to accomplish first, and then I'll follow you. He says, suffer me to bury my father. That just means, wait, allow me to first do what I need to do, what's on my checklist. And when I complete the checklist, I'll make sure that there's nothing else there at the bottom of it, and that's when I'm going to follow you. Compare that to the mindset that Jesus just said before. I don't even have a place to lay my head. What does Jesus say about that? Verse 60. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. That's not a parable 
We're not talking in parables here. This is literal instruction from Jesus to a man whose response was, I'm not ready to do that yet. Hang on, I got to do this first. Jesus, the man, responded, leave it alone. Stop what it is that you think you have to do. Just stop it. Wait, you mean what I got in this wheelbarrow? Stop it. (laughs) But it's important. Nope. Nope. What you're doing, stop it. And start doing what I told you to do. That's pretty intense. I'm telling you, this is pretty challenging. This mindset that he's trying to give is a challenge because we care about what's in the wheelbarrow. We care about getting it to point B, getting it into the ground, getting it buried or completed. I don't know about you, but I love to check off items on a checklist. If you, see, if you ever saw my desks where I've worked, sticky notes everywhere. And one of the things that I do is if I cross one of those items off, I make a new one that doesn't have that one on it. That's just me because I love to get, feel, at least feel like I got something done. Look at this. I've got a new checklist that doesn't have that item on it anymore. Now, what if Jesus came and said, what you're doing right now, stop that and go do this. Wait a second. Uh, let me find where I'm going to put that on this list. Nope, doesn't work that way. Let the dead bury their dead. Go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, and now we get to what we first talked about. Another also said, like the guy that was in verse 57, Lord, I'll follow you. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Again, I'm painting this picture of Jesus and his caravan traveling in the midst of traveling from point A to point B. And these three individuals are really observers of the passing by. They weren't, they weren't currently following. Okay, they were at whatever point in their day when Jesus happened to be passing by them. What do you think made the what do you think made that man say to the Lord, "I will follow you"? What did he see other people following him? Oh, there's a crowd. Hey, I like crowds. (laughs) I read somewhere one time, if you ever see a lion, just go stand in it. What's it going to (laughs) hurt? I like crowds. There's safety. uh, There's strength in that crowd. Hey, hey, Lord, oh, they're all following that one guy. Hey, hey, you, I'll follow you. Just hang on a second. (laughs) Think about what he was asking him to do. You and everybody that's following you and where those that are waiting on you to get where you're going to do what you need, 
just all of you hold that for a second. Hang on. My house isn't too far away. You just stop. Let me go say bye to those that are at my house. Just, just hang on. Pause. Pause for a second. And let me go say bye. Let me go take care of this one thing. And then I'll be, I'll be on the caravan. I'll be one of the followers after I finish this. What did he say? This is verse 62, what we read first. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No man having put his hand to the plow. So really, so what Jesus is saying here is, if you, if you make the decision to follow me, in your heart, like you said to me, Lord, I will follow you, you're, you're putting your hand to the plow. You're starting. You're making that start. You're making that decision to do. Once you do that, once you start that, and then you turn and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, I, I know this is a challenging word. It's challenging me to even comprehend. Is, is that really what he's trying to say? Could he really be telling me that I have to put all of this stuff? <laughs> I was about to say in the rearview mirror, but I think we know that's not really the place it's supposed to go because what do we do with the stuff in the rearview mirror? We keep looking back at it. One of the, a side note here for a second. One of the reasons I knew I wanted to move to Washington when we got married At the time, Loren and her family were living in Puyallup, and I would come to visit. And there's one road in Puyallup called River Road. It was my favorite road to drive on whenever we visited because <laughs> the whole time you're driving, let's see, I guess that would be west on it towards Tacoma from Puyallup. Guess what's in the rearview mirror? Mount Rainier. The entire mountain is in your rearview mirror or your side mirrors. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Where else could I be driving in a car and check a mirror and see a mountain? And I was like, I got to move here. <laughs> this is awesome. It's beautiful. But so what he's literally saying here is, Looking back, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is somebody who's taking their focus off of what God's leading them into or towards the direction that he set for them and they're moving in that direction. If they take their eyes off of that to look back, Back at what? Whatever's back there. Whatever you're leaving behind to follow God. 
when you look at that, the, the story comes to my mind of Lot and his wife. Most of you know this story. When God told them through the angel, leave this city and don't look back. Whoa, what's the big deal? I mean, we're just, we're just checking it out. I mean, I spent a lot of years there. I, sp- I raised a family there. I, I have all these ties and connections and friends and neighbors and history there. Why, what's, the, what's the harm of just looking back to see what I'm leaving? And we know the story. Lot's wife, she turned and looked. And instantly she turned into a pillar of salt. Does anybody believe that that really happened? So he says it here. No man, once you start following, and then you turn around to look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Look at Second Peter chapter 2. Now, we all enter our walk with the Lord in different stages and phases of life. Many of you, like me, were born into kind of a de facto walk with God. Your parents raised you to follow God. Others, somewhere along the way, it changed. Your walk changed. And all of a sudden, now you're walking with God. But whatever it is that you see as what you have to give up, to walk with God, that's what we're talking about tonight. Whatever you have to give up in your mind, if you think, I would follow God or I want to follow God, but that means I can no longer, and fill in the blank, that's what we're talking about tonight. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Now, there's a lot here, but I'm just going to try to read a couple of these verses so you can see what, what Peter is talking about here. For if after, everybody say after. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again, this is the if, if after they have escaped the pollutions, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter is worse with them than the beginning. If you've escaped the pollutions of the world, 
what does that mean? You were living in pollution. And you escaped it. That's the, that's the, the picture that Peter is drawing here. You were living in pollution. That's, the, that's his word. That's the, the word the Holy Ghost gave Peter to describe the condition that somebody was in before they came to the Lord. You escaped that pollution through the knowledge of the Lord. And then you get back into that pollution, entangled. I'll tell you another just quick funny story in case you're falling asleep. heard this comedian that said, whoever has read that verse, I can do all things through Christ, has never tried to untangle a set of earbuds in the dark. <laughs> so in, being entangled with this pollution, with this world, with the polluted world, being entangled with it. That's kind of the crux of what we're talking about tonight. At what point am I entangled with the world? I would, I would dare say that that's different for different people. Certain people can, can get... Uh, I, I, I want to be clear. I, I, I'm not saying that it's okay for some people to sin and others it's not. Okay? That's not the truth. I'm not saying that. But whatever influence you are susceptible to may not be an influence that the person next to you is susceptible to. And that influence is what will entangle you. So that's why I say it can be different for different people. You alone know, if you're honest with yourself and you got the Lord helping you, He will show you, brother, this is what it looks like when you're entangled. This is how you know that pollution is starting to creep back in. I hear pollution and I think of, of dirty air, okay? Smoke clouds, dark pollution in the air. I wouldn't want just a little bit of that coming into my house, okay? I, I, I wouldn't be okay to say, well, as long as there's, a, uh, there's more clean air than dirty air, then we're okay. As long as there's a, as a little bit of, I know we need to change that seal on the door because it, it creeps in there. Or the windows, you know, it kind of comes in there a little bit. But most of this stuff in here is clean. Most of this stuff in here is breathable air, still smells good, it's it's comfortable environment. So I, I'm okay with a little bit of pollution. You're not overcome with it yet, but you're entangled with it. You're starting the overcoming process, being overcome by what you allow. So it says, if they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Before, what was in the beginning? They didn't know God. They had no knowledge. They weren't using the knowledge of the Lord 
to bring them out of the pollution. That's all of us before we got the Holy Ghost, whether you got it at 5 years old, 15 years old, or 50 years old. That's all of us before we were saved. We were living in that state of what I would call the pollution. Okay? You go back to that state for a minute, remember that state for a minute, now picture things worse than that. If you can, imagine a worse predicament than that. And that's what Peter is saying here. If somebody comes out of that and then goes back into it. It's very simple, okay? We're not, this is not something that we're trying to, to oh, man, I, I don't know, Lord, can I understand this or not? No. If you were saved, if you were unsaved and then saved and then unsaved again. Living after the things of the world and then following God and then turning back to the things of the world. See, we're conditioned in our mind to either think I'm going the right way or I'm going the wrong way. And if I'm going the wrong way, I can just as easily turn back and go the right way again. That's a, that, especially in the church culture, that's what we try to condition people to believe is, oh, it's okay to just just come back, you know, well, well, you'll be fine. Just if you, if you leave, if you stray, just come back. Of course, we want you to come back. But in our conditioned mind, we think, I always know how to turn back. I always know where to turn back to. Anytime I want, I can just call up Elder Hart. Is this true? I can call up Elder Hart. Uh, Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the wrong stuff again. Yep, I know. Yep, I, I know. I, I turn, I, but what the scripture is saying is when you come out of that and go back into it, you're going back into a worse condition than what you came out of. Next verse, verse 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Understand, please, we're not talking about a group of people that's never been saved. We've got to draw that, this, that distinction clearly. Because what we'd like to do is then say, okay, well, then I'm just, I'll be best off if I just never get saved. That's not what we're talking about at all. Okay? That group of people does not enter this equation, does not enter this discussion. We're talking about those who have been saved. Okay? So for them, because they have been made aware of righteousness, as the scripture calls it, the way of righteousness. They've known the way of righteousness. It's a scripture that says, for a man that knoweth good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So if you've known the way of righteousness and don't do it, don't follow it, don't walk in it. 
you're better off not having known it. Verse 22. But it has happened. You've heard this scripture. What does that mean? If you're like me, you've heard this. How in the world does that apply in the Bible? But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. It's a true proverb. This is what it looks like. This is how it happens. Will you pray with me? Jesus, God, we're your children tonight, first and foremost. You're the Father, and you want to care for us. You want to protect us. You want to watch over us, God. You want to wash us clean. Jesus, I pray tonight that we would be submitted, God, to your process, that we would be submitted, God, as we seek to follow you. God, it is our desire to follow you. Jesus, we want to be led of your spirit. God, I pray that as you would lead us, God, you continue. Give us a resolve, Lord Jesus. Give us a faith, Lord God. Jesus, I pray, God. God, I want to be about your business. God, I want to be working in your kingdom. I want to be working in your field. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to be a worker in your field, Lord. I want to be fit for the kingdom. God, I want to be fit for your kingdom tonight. Jesus, I thank you for giving me this chance, God, to learn the areas of my life that may be unfit. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy that's reaching here tonight. God, I pray right now that through your spirit, God, through your power, you would give us the grace, Lord God, to continue walking in your ways, God, in your ways of righteousness. Why don't you stand for a moment? Let's just pray to the Lord together. I encourage you. He's here tonight. He wants to minister to this body. Jesus, I pray, God, let your righteousness prevail in my life. Let your righteousness and your truth prevail in my life. God, I pray you would give us wisdom tonight, God. That we would not be ensnared, God. That we would not be entangled. Jesus, every influence of this world, I pray against it tonight. Jesus, I don't want to be overcome by the pollution of this world. God, I want to live a clean life. I want to live a righteous life. Jesus, when you say to follow you, God, I want to be able to commit my life to you. Jesus, wherever you're going, Lord, whatever it costs me, Jesus, I know that you would provide all that I need. Jesus, I know that I can trust you with the direction of my life. Jesus, 
Yandalo Sakatahaye, Yodolo Mahasatahaye, Yandarala Sakatahaye. Jesus, I put my life in your hands right now. You alone know the future, God. You alone know the places that you would lead us, the directions that you would set us on. God, I pray let my mind and my will be conformed to yours. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I commit my life to you, Jesus. I commit my life to you, God. I lay it down at your feet. I believe when, when we hear what Jesus says about leaving things behind to follow him. Everything that I fear leaving behind, I can put it into one of two categories. One of them I would call dreams and aspirations, things that I think I'd like to do or I want to do or I hope to do. And Lord, if I, if I commit all of this to you, I don't know if I'll get to do that. I don't know if I'll get to see that, or if I'll get to become or accomplish those things. And that is, that's a, a, a a genuine fear, a legitimate worry when you've, you've spent so much of your life working towards that or hoping towards that, longing for it. Lord, I don't know if, if, if I'm giving that up by saying I'll follow you. That's one, that's one aspect. And then the other one is comfort. I got to give up my comfort. I, I, I like where I'm at right now. I mean, everything's not perfect. I don't think anybody in here would say, I've got everything I ever wanted right now. I'm, my life's perfect. But I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm good right here. And you want me to give that up to you? You want me to surrender that comfort? I don't know. I don't like the idea of, being the fox without a foxhole to go back to or a bird to, without a nest to go back to. I, that's my place of comfort. And you're saying that if I follow you, I'm, I'm having to give that up. I'm having to surrender that. This, this, is, this is his call to us tonight to follow him. To follow him. Elder Hurt. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you just continue to pray right where you are. Come on, the Lord is talking to us. The Lord is talking to us. Each and every one of us. He's talking to us. He's reaching to us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Yarabate lobosi alabakaha. 
I will trust you. I will trust you. I will trust you. Precious Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Ilamatolobosia lekumalorori alamakiteye itanamandolobokori alavakaha. Your will for my life, Lord Jesus. Your will. I trust and believe and have confidence that you know what is best. Your will be done, not mine. Your will, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the Come on, let his spirit talk to your heart. Let his spirit reach into your spirit right now. Let that thing or that place or that thought, let, let that which he's illuminating to you, don't dismiss it or brush it aside, but let the Holy Ghost speak to you in that area of your life. Acknowledge where the Lord is reaching. Acknowledge where the Lord is speaking to you. Acknowledge that area, that place. Acknowledge that. Mm, come on, I realize that's not necessarily a quick process. There's some releasing and letting go of some things and pushing it into His hands, laying it upon the altar before Him. Jesus, your will, I will follow. Your will be done and not mine. I lay my will upon the altar, Father. I lay my life upon the altar, Father. I desire your will more than my own way. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is a there is a point that we all come to sooner or later in living for God. I I was reminded tonight of, I don't know when it was exactly, time moves so swiftly I can't keep up anymore. It was a year and a half or so ago, 
somewhere in that way, when uh, Bishop Wright was last here and ministered, made a statement here to this congregation. He said that we're entering a time where the Lord is drawing a line. Some of you may remember that. He talked about the Lord drawing a line. People were either going to choose, they were going to be on one side of that or the other. It was a choosing of, I'm going to be on the side that says, okay, everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm committing myself to you, to following you. Well, the other side is religious tradition, going through the motions, being a good person, trying to be a good Christian, but still living my life, doing my thing, living my way, my will. He's talking about a dividing line there. It is not the punishment of the Lord that draws that line. You understand? It is the love of God that draws that line. But here's what happens I've found in my life is the Lord brings us out of something and we can fall into the trap that says, you know what, I can turn back like Brother Flowers said and I can decide. But we don't think I can turn back and then I, when it's time I can turn back the right direction. We think, well, I'm not really fully turning away from the Lord. I can just sort of turn back to this to enjoy pleasure for a moment. And it'll just, but then I'll just be right back here. And it's the deception of the enemy. It's temptation. It's temptation. Temptation to turn from him. The Lord is really inviting us. He's really inviting us. I have been just here letting this turn in my spirit and feeling after the Lord with you. I, I mean, I feel the majority of you are letting this get into your spirit and you're processing this in your spirit as the Lord's talking to you. I don't, there's not a lot of you that are just sort of rejecting this. The majority of you are receiving this and going, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. And so I encourage you tonight to lay hold on the word of God. With him, by his grace, you can do this. With him, by his grace, we can do this. Say, I don't know how. There's only one way. With him, by his grace, we can do this. We cannot do it. With one hand going this way and one hand going that way. You ever try to get your two feet to walk two different directions? Yeah, let me know how that works out for you. We think we can do that. The Lord's saying, 
it's my way or there's no way. It's either his or yours. I want his way, don't you? His way leads to life everlasting. Life everlasting. Would you pray with me one more time? Jesus, by your grace enabling, I will follow. Now, don't say that if you don't mean it, but by your grace enabling me, I will follow. What you ask of me, by your grace, I will do. What you ask of me, by your grace, I will do. What you want on the altar, by your grace, I will lay it there. I want to follow you. I want to go where you lead. I don't want to go anywhere else, Father. I want to go where you're leading. I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. Father, I want to acknowledge you and let you direct my paths, Lord. I want to follow you. Give me grace tonight. Give us grace. I pray an imparted grace of God to follow where you lead. That our steps be ordered and directed of you, almighty God. For your purpose, for your glory. Mm, In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let your grace, oh God, be upon us. Let your grace be upon us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I feel great faith. I really do. I feel great faith right now. There's something that happens. I'm really trying to dismiss you. There is something that happens with God and your relationship with God. When I commit... When I say, I'm going this direction, Lord, with you. There's something that happens. Man would look on the outward appearance. But God, who looks in the heart, he sees the condition of my heart. And he knows the commitment of my heart. And there's something that happens in the spirit of God when my spirit aligns with him and says, Yes, Lord. You say, I don't know how, but yes, Lord. I don't see the way, but you are the way, like we heard Sunday. Yes, Lord. And when you and I, in a place of commitment and consecration, I believe it's an altar. At that place, at that altar where I lay my life on it and say, yes, Lord. There's something that happens supernaturally where the Spirit of God gives grace and enables us to do what we can't do ourselves. But he also recognizes when I say, oh, yes, Lord, but it's just my lips, but not my heart. When it's just my lips and not my heart, he knows that. And so then I'm trying to do it on my own, and I just keep falling short and failing. Praise God. Thank you, Elder Flowers, for the word of the Lord and delivering it to us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for... Reaching to us and speaking so clearly. Thank you, Lord.
bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Don't forget Friday night, there is a fellowship meeting in Union Gap. 7 o'clock, I think it's on the board back there, the time. 7 or 7.30. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.